0: What's up Raider Nation, Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It's Friday and the Raiders regular season is just around the corner, but before that they've got another preseason game against the Miami Dolphins this Saturday, so we've got plenty of news stories to go over and of course your beautiful wonderful questions, so how about we get right into it, huh? Alright, we've got a few roster transactions to go over as the NFL's 1st cutdown day was on Tuesday, so Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler had to get rid of five guys this week, and they were defensive tackle Vernon Butler, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, cornerback Nate Brooks, who had signed with the team just four days before getting cut, defensive end Jerry Green, and offensive tackle Tyrone Wheatley Jr. The last three come as little to no surprise as think they were all long shots to make the 53-man, but Butler and Robinson are significant. At one point, Butler had a chance to start a defensive tackle. as so That's a wide-open competition in Las Vegas. However, he struggled mightily in the preseason, especially last week against the Vikings. To me, Robinson was the biggest surprise, partially because I think I said last week that he's probably got a good chance of being the fifth receiver, given that he's been in the league for a while. But I really think DJ Turner's big performance against Minnesota slid Robinson too far down the depth chart, so the coaching staff kind of threw him a bone by cutting him early so he could potentially find a new team. In my opinion, the guys who benefit the most from this first crop of cuts are the aforementioned Turner, Tyron Johnson, as they'll be competing for the fifth wide receiver spot, and Kyle Pecco and Andrew Billings now have clear paths to stick around at the end of the month. In another roster transaction, the Raiders traded second-year safety Tyree Gillespie to the Tennessee Titans in exchange for a conditional seventh-round pick. The fact Gillespie was traded for a conditional seventh-round pick tells me that he was likely gonna get cut anyway whether that be this week or during the next round. The Missouri product battled injuries for a lot of last season, but did play in 11 games, almost exclusively on special teams. Honestly, he was kind of a ghost during training camp and has often been forgot about, so I can't say this comes as too much of a surprise. This is a good sign for undrafted free agents Cole Quinterio and Isaiah Palomao, and I would assume Gillespie's trade means that Roderick Teamer's spot on the roster is secure. I have a bunch of injury updates for you guys, and just about all of them are positive. All four players who were on the PUP list, defensive tackles Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols, cornerback Trayvon Mullen and wide receiver Dylan Stoner, all came off PUP on Wednesday. That means the Raiders got back three starters, all on the defensive side of the ball, and all at spots where they could really use some help, defensive tackle and cornerback. But the good news didn't just stop there. Tight end Darren Waller, cornerback Yawke Sin, and linebacker Devon Diablo, also returned from practice on Wednesday. We also got some clarity on why Waller has been missing practice, as Adam Schefter reported that a minor hamstring injury has been what's kept him out since July 31st. However, not to burst your bubble, but Waller did sit out of practice again on Thursday, per the Athletics' to Sean Reed. I'm not sure if that was just precautionary or if he tried to come back too soon, but I pay close attention to the practice attendance reports over the next few days to see if he gets back on the field again. Of course... I'll be here for any updates. Before we move on, I do have one more piece of bad news on the injury front. Offensive tackle Thayer Munford was getting reps with the first team on Wednesday until he went down with an apparent injury per read. The extent of the injury is not known at this time, but Munford did miss practice on Thursday, so it sounds like his status for Saturday's game could be in doubt. Circling back to Darren Waller, he went on Will Compton's Bustin' with the Boys podcast and talked about McDaniel's approach to the red zone and how it's different than Gruden's. There was a lot of times in the last couple of years where I felt like there wasn't a clear defined attack in the red zone or like a plan for me specifically, Waller said. But now I kind of feel like there's something that's in place with Josh McDaniels for me. There's no reason why my big ass shouldn't be dominating in the red zone at all times. As I'm sure you're all aware, the Raiders were pretty bad at turning red zone opportunities into touchdowns under Gruden, but McDaniels has had quite a bit of success down there. So, it seems like Waller is pretty excited to play for his new head coach, and did take a shot at his old one. Speaking of Josh McDaniels, I've got a few good nuggets from or about the coach that I think you'll like. The first is McDaniels gave some insight into why he's been rotating the offensive line so much this past month or so, stating, There's just too much to be gained in training camp for you to forego the opportunity to work with different groupings. If you put five guys together, and that's the only five guys they practice besides, you're doing them a disservice because it's not realistic. It's not going to happen during the regular season very much. They're never going to be the same guys for an entire year or even for an entire game. Carmen Basillo has done a good job, him and Cameron Clemens, both working and continuing to teach, which is what our jobs are. I thought there were some guys that played pretty well on Sunday. That's a pretty good point that McDaniels brings up, as injuries happen every year, especially at the offensive line. NFL analyst and stats guru Warren Sharp recently tweeted out a list of how many plays of 15 yards or more every team had on first or second down last season. The Raiders had 98, and just above them was the New England Patriots, so you can expect to see the same amount of chunk plays on early downs as last season. For those curious, the three teams ahead of the Pats were the 49ers with 98, Vikings with 103, and Bucks with 108. And my last McDaniels nugget comes from a quote from last week's preseason game in which he gave Raider Nation some props. I've been around a lot of preseason games over 22 years, and I don't remember one feeling like this. I would just like to say that the reception from our fans, getting to know Raider Nation the way that you see them now, it's just different, McDaniels said. I've competed against them a handful of times in my time in the NFL, but now to kind of be on the same side, you understand why it is what it is? I'm lucky and blessed to be the head coach here. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of, and that's easy to say that, clearly. I can't wait to play another time in here and then get to the regular season and have the opportunity to do it for real in the regular games. Just a great, passionate fan base to have. And to have the girls here and my son on the sideline, it was a special day. Linebacker Divine Diablo got a boat of confidence from his position coach, Antonio Pierce, this week as Pierce talked about Diablo's transition from college safety to NFL linebacker and how he's starting to become more comfortable at the position. That transition is never easy, Pierce said. Everybody thinks you can just go in there and play, but your eyes are trained differently. I think he's done an outstanding job of not just training his eyes, but communicating, being a more vocal player. We've asked him to do a lot. He's done a lot. He's embraced that, and obviously has a skill set that's very important to our defense. The things he can do, being able to cover, run, and the pressures, the growth of him has been pleasant so far. That's good news as Diablo figures to be a fixture on the Raiders' defense this season and for years to come. One more piece of roster news before we move on to questions, the Raiders signed defensive end Jordan Jenkins on Wednesday. Jenkins is a native of Hamilton, Georgia, and played his college ball at the University of Georgia. The Bulldog would go on to be a third-round pick of the New York Jets in 2016, where he played the first four years of his career. Last offseason, Jenkins signed a two-year, $6 million contract with the Houston Texans and participated in 11 games before tearing a PCL in Week 11 that ended his season. The Texans ended up releasing him on Monday, but obviously his time as a free agent was short-lived. Jenkins has 206 career tackles, 24 sacks, 7 forced fumbles, and 8 interceptions in his 5-year career. In a corresponding move, Las Vegas released linebacker Kenny Young. Uh, Here we go, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. That's at mholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com via email. First question here, concern about Waller's continued absence. So if you'd asked me this yesterday, I probably would have said no. Um, I think Waller, again, it is a little concerning because he did start last year off injured. If you remember, he missed training camp and obviously battled injuries throughout the season. But I wasn't terribly concerned. The th- thing that made me more concerned recently is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show where he came back and then ended up missing practice. Again, we'll have to pay attention to the uh, the attendance reports throughout the throughout the uh, weekend and early in next week see how major it is. But that worries me a little bit. And he is going to turn 30 next month. So it is a little concerning. Maybe his body's starting to fall apart a little bit. That is kind of the magic number in the NFL. I wouldn't say I'm terribly concerned about it. Again, I kind of think we kind of need to wait a little bit and see how the rest of the week goes or the rest of the weekend goes and early next week to get really concerned. But it is starting to worry me a little bit just because this is starting to feel a lot like last year. Again, Waller missed a bunch of time during training camp. But last year, he's been out since uh, July 31st. So he's missed, what what is that, two and a half weeks. And then it's sidelined again. If he comes back and he's good to go and he's healthy next week during practice, as a full participant in practice all week, I won't be that worried. But again, if he's not playing, and especially after trying to come back and come, and then being sidelined again, that's when I'd start to get a little worried about Darren Waller. Second question here, can the Raiders compete for a Super Bowl with Leatherwood starting at right tackle? Ain't that the million-dollar question right now, Right. I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit and kind of answer two different questions at once. I think if the question was if Brandon Parker, I'd say hell no. Just because with Brandon Parker, we've kind of seen what he is. We know who he is. We know what type of player he is. We know he's not good in pass protection. And we can expect him to be at the same level the rest of the season. So if Brandon Parker was out there, I'd honestly say no because I do think he's that big of a liability. However, however, with Leatherwood, and not that Leatherwood's been all that much better or even, even better at all or more productive... But I think with Leatherwood, what he has working as his favor is it is only his second year. I do think he can get better, and I think he can improve throughout the season to where I wouldn't just say outwardly no. But again, he's got to make those next steps for them to to be able to compete, especially just in the division. I mean, again, we've talked about it all offseason. Chargers are going to have a pretty good pass rush in week one, no matter who they put out there, Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa. So Leatherwood's going to have a big test, and I think he's really going to have to step up Again, I think if he can you know, just make strides to get to being an average pass blocker because he's not even close there right now, then I think we can definitely start considering or not looking at him as a liability. But again, he's really got to make that development, and we've really got to see him grow and grow throughout the year, which can be hard to do, but it isn't impossible for a guy that is a pretty athletic dude and, again, in his second year. So I think there is room for growth for him, and he gives me more hope than a guy like Brandon Parker does. But obviously, as you guys know, you guys have heard me talk. You guys have heard several other people talk. The Raiders do have a right tackle problem, and that is kind of going to be the undoing of the offense or the, the rest of the offensive line kind of too if they don't start figuring it out, and that includes Alex Leatherwood starting to step up. Or maybe Thayer Mumford. I kind of can think in the, uh, the same vein. It's kind of frustrating to think that last year's first-round pick is in the same vein as this year's seventh-round pick. But again, Munford has shown promise, and he's another guy that's young. And I think even if he struggles out of the gate a little bit, then I think he can get better. And that's what at least is giving me hope and kind of what I'm holding on to with both those two young guys right now is at least the, the sky's the limit for them, and they can't go anywhere but, or get anywhere but better and go anywhere but up. Number three, and we'll keep the three theme going here, will the Raiders retire the number three in honor of Nathan Peterman? I mean, I think they should. Guy was a preseason superstar. I mean, think about it. Last year, who led the Raiders in passing yards and passing touchdowns? None other than Nathan Peterman. I can't even think of another Raiders quarterback to wear number three that would be even worthy of the honor. I just wanted to give all you old heads a second to get mad at me for forgetting about Darryl LaMonica. Question four, what does Bilal Nichols bring that's got everyone so excited for his return? Two words, pass rush. The way I look at the Raiders defensive tackles right now, other than Matthew Butler, who again is going to be a rookie and probably going to struggle this year and probably can't expect too much from him this year, is the rest of the defensive tackles are pretty much just run stuffers. You know, you got Andrew Billings in there, who is a terrible pass rusher. Sorry, Andrew Billing, Billings. Uh, Kyle Pecko, not exactly his forte either. We all know Jonathan Hankins is in there to stop the run. And then Neil Farrell Jr., he's actually been better as a pass rusher than the preseason than he was in college, but. Uh, still kind of his natural, his natural ability is as a run defender. So I think that's one of the biggest things is Bilal Nichols is supposed to be that guy that's going to be able to give them that interior pressure. Not as great against the run, but I think he's definitely a guy that, again, can give them that, in that um, interior pressure to help free up guys like, uh, like a like Chandler Jones or Max Crosby, and he'll also get a lot more uh, one-on-one blocks and all that good stuff because of those two guys on the outside and maybe sneak in and uh, get a few sacks as well. So. I think that's the biggest thing is he's gonna be able to get out of the quarterback and at a much higher rate than the other guys that they have on the roster right now. Next up, another defensive tackle question is Ndamukong and Sue still a possibility? At this point, I'm gonna to lean towards no. I think we're getting close to the end of training camp here. I think if they wanted to bring him in, I think they've seen they would have seen enough and even last week um, to bring in a guy like Sue in. And it's funny, I was talking about this with uh Mark John last week on Tape Don't Lie is Sue's biggest asset right now is as a pass rusher. He's not as stout against the run as he used to be, and I think he's probably or he would probably come in and be a guy that competes more with like a Bilal Nichols, which with him coming back, it's kind of becomes redundant, and any rep that Sue's going to take is going to be hindering the development of a guy like Butler or uh, Neil Farrell Jr. So I think at this point we can kind of put that to bed. Knowing me and my luck, they'll probably sign him tomorrow. Alright, final question here, if the coaches do decide that the right side of the line is untenable, ooh, that's a big SAT word, what are the best options out there and who are the best cost, or who are the possible cuts that could help? Well, the best option right now is Daryl Williams. I think I've talked about it a lot on here. I think other people have brought him up as well. Daryl Williams, I don't know why he's unsigned. I don't know, maybe he has an injury, maybe he's just getting older and and teams don't want him. But he's their best option at this point. The problem is the right tackle market. If you guys have seen the contracts that like Dwayne Brown and Riley Reef signed recently, isn't getting any cheaper. Um, so he's not exactly going to be a financially suitable option, I would imagine. But I think right now he's their best option if they do want to go with the free agent. As far as the possible cuts that can help, Unfortunately, I don't, I'm not as plugged into the other uh, 31 teams in the league to really give you guys a great idea of who's on the roster bubble that could make it. The only guy that really comes to mind would be Tevin Jenkins, and there were just trade rumors about him uh, coming out of Chicago um, a few weeks ago, I believe. And if, if he does end up being available or end up being cut, he was a guy that I really liked coming out of Oklahoma State last year problem is he wasn't great as a rookie and was battling injuries, so I don't know exactly if he's going to be that much of an upgrade over what they currently have, whereas a guy like Williams is a little bit more of a sure thing, or at least you know what you're going to get with Williams, whereas Tevin Jenkins would be more, much more of a, a wild card, but he would kind of be my guy that I would want to keep an eye on. Hopefully there's some sort of truth to those rumors that maybe the, the Bears are looking to get rid of him. If they do waive him, I think I think it might be tough for the Raiders to give him on the waiver wire, but I would absolutely love it if they put in a claim for that, that guy. But, yeah, that those would be my two guys that I would personally keep an eye out based on what I've seen and heard, which, again, is, is a little bit limited on the possible cuts around the league, would be uh, Darrell Williams, tackle out of Buffalo from the last few years, and then uh, Chicago Bears, right tackle, Tevin Jenkins. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Reminder, the Raiders-Dolphins game is on Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific, so don't forget... And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.